Chapter 13 of Arona The Master of the Arona Help! Somebody help us! yelled Larry, running back to the gate. The candles lighting the hallway that led to our new prison mysteriously began blowing out, and almost total darkness consumed us. I felt my way around to where the gate was and tried to pull it up, then tried again with Jack's help. It wouldn't budge. Anyone find a way out? I called out. No, all I can feel is solid rock and sand, replied Allie. Me too. We're trapped in here. Trenton, what do we do? Asked Drew. I know not, he said soberly. Then he yelled something towards the hallway and Eldon. Only silence answered. This must be the pleasant environment that ugly guy Wart was talking about, said Cubby. <laughs> hey, at least it's got this nice sandy bottom. He kicked at it, spraying the wall with sand. We yelled sporadically for the next few hours and heard nothing back. We talked through our options and theorized what was going on until eventually, one by one, we fell asleep on the soft sand. We were scared, but completely exhausted from our journey, and with nothing else to do, it seemed like a good idea. At the very least, we'd have the energy to put up a fight when the time came. I was dreaming of that girl again, when I woke up to what I thought was an earthquake. The sand underneath us was shaking and vibrating. Then with a sudden shift, it felt like we were being sucked into the ground. I tried to stand up and grab the gate to hold onto it, but it was too late. I was already waist high and sinking deeper by the second. Every attempt I made to get out was fruitless. Try! I looked over at the center of the room and could make out Drew in the darkness, already buried up to his neck and reaching his hand out desperately. I grabbed for it and almost had a grip on him when he was sucked under the sand. Trendon went next and he was yelling angrily in Eldon as he disappeared. I felt myself sliding and sinking towards the center of the room. In seconds, I was up to my neck, gasping for air one last time before my mouth went under. There are no words for how terrifying and claustrophobic it is to be buried alive. The weight of the sand was crushing me and I was trying to focus on not opening my mouth when I felt a hard pull on my feet. I felt myself falling, and then fell with a harsh thud on a solid surface. Rough hands grabbed me and began pulling me to one side as I kicked and struggled when they yanked away my belongings. Hands groped all over my body, searching for any objects I might have hidden. I was covered in sand. It was in my eyes, my mouth, my nose, even my ears. I stopped struggling and just laid on the ground, dazed and confused as I coughed out sand. Then I saw the same thing happening to Jack. They pulled him into the room by his feet, and I looked up and saw a small opening in the ceiling. The room we were in before must have been shaped like a giant funnel, and when they opened the hole in the ground, it sucked us all through. I looked around. We were completely surrounded by armed men. After the last of us was funneled through and searched, we were lined up on the ground to wait as a faintly glowing being walked over to us. He was tall, slender, and strangely good-looking for a creature I'd never seen before. It could almost pass as a human with short silver hair and bronze skin. A faint glow of bluish-white light surrounded him. Welcome. I am sorry for the... inconvenience. I am Russo, master of the Arone, and ruler of this city, Castone, and the kingdom of Midderland. Trendon muttered something under his breath in Elden as he continued to dust off the sand that covered him. There have been several attempts on my life over the years, and unfortunately, it is necessary to operate this way. I knew you would come, 
Earthmen. I knew you'd come traveling with Elden. This is what I foresaw, and why Wart sent you to me. And now here you are, but for what reason, I know not. I only know that you are from another world, a common occurrence here on Arona, for we are a world of other worlds. You may rise. We stood up and brushed ourselves off, trying to get the sand out of our hair and eyes. Russo came closer and looked with great interest, making a gesture with his hands like one I'd seen while traveling in Thailand. At the same time, he bowed his head ever so slightly. Come, walk with me. Tell me what it is you seek, said Russo. He strode away and we followed him down a hallway. We walked into an expansive room that housed a giant pool as big as a small lake. It was like being transported into a Roman bathhouse. Everything was made of stone, which led me to assume that we were inside the mountain, well beneath the city. The water had a faint blue that lit the entire room, which had no other source of lighting. Behold, the lifeblood of Arona, said Russo, calmly gesturing towards the lake. The keeper of life, without it, I would surely die, as would all the kings and queens of Arona. Now tell me, how can I help you? I stared at the radiant liquid, wondering what he'd meant. We want to return to our world, to our families, said Jack. Can you help us? Is it possible? Many times I have heard this request. People from other worlds come to Arona in an unknown way and wish to return to their homes, their families. Is it possible? Yes, I believe anything is possible through the Arona. Has it been done? Most likely. I've heard rumors of such things. Unfortunately, I've never met anyone who has achieved it. Rumors are better than nothing. What do we need to do? Asked Cubby. Russo looked back at him, sensing the desperation in his voice. For as long as my people can remember, men and animals of all forms have been arriving on Arona, always in a mysterious way. One minute, they were on their home world, and the next, they are here. They all tell a similar story of their departure. Strange lights, often near a water source. Many spent all their time here on Arona, trying to return to their homes. I have heard rumors of some actually leaving, but they were never heard from again. Did they return home? I asked. Russo shook his head. I know not. One man comes to my mind. His name was Henry Hudson. Like you, he lived with the Elden. And as you have, he came to me. Drew nodded. Yes, King Elden told us about Mr. Hudson. Could you tell us more about him? He stayed here for some time before leaving for one of the greatest kingdoms of men, Newdonia in the south. I was told he spent some time there before disappearing, but you already know this. Wart tells me you seek a ship. Yes, we desperately need to get a ride on one of Wart's ships, pleaded Cubby. Wart's ships are my ships, and I have several leaving every month to Nodonia. 
King Richard is one of my biggest customers and closest friends. You're welcome to take passage on the next ship. Thank you, said Cubby. It's settled then. I'll have my assistants arrange your voyage. You can stay in my personal guest apartments until the day of your departure. I'd like to hear more of your world. Now if you'll please excuse me, I have many pressing matters that need my attention, said Russo. He gave a quick bow and walked away with several of his counselors in tow. A very tall and finely dressed female, at least I thought she was female, with skin as white as snow and triangular blue eyes appeared. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Shora. Please follow me. Ever curious, Jack hurried to catch up to our guide and started to ask questions. So this whole lake is all Roan? Why does Russo have so much of it? Where does it come from? The great Russo is the keeper of the Arone. He is the one responsible for unlocking its true potential and making it available to all. Over 90% of all the roads of Arone is stored here. It is pumped up from deep under Arona's surface, from inside this very rock. Then it is fed into these many pools you see before you and diluted with water. And what does he do with so much of it? Jack pressed further. The Arone is sent by sea and land to the far corners of Arona. It is in great demand. The value of Arone here is incomprehensible. It is the keeper of life and strength. Do you mean it can keep you from dying? For how long? The Arone affects each being differently. Much also depends on how pure the Arone is how much one consumes, that person's mastery of it, and how often they partake. Extending life is its most common attribute. Forever? asked Jack. Forever is a difficult concept. One may still die of old age or through an accident, Shora explained. Each time we left one underground room, it would open up to another, again filled with numerous long stone pools. Up ahead, I could see a bright glow coming from the doorway at the end of the room. As we got closer, the blue-white glow became so intense that I had to cover my eyes. Compliments of the great Russo, the finest, purest Arone on all Arona, said Shora, handing us sets of shaded decorative spectacles to shield from the brightness. Please, try some. I put on my glasses and saw her pointing to some of the steps leading down to the pool. We made our way down the steps and finally my eyes adjusted. Ornate cups lined the wall, hanging from metal wire holders. I took a golden cup and dipped it in the Arone. It appeared to be liquid, but lighter than water, almost like air. It floated into my cup, sparkling, and I took a sip. It's hard to even explain what happened next. I was instantly taken away in a dream, a dream unlike any dream I have ever had, as vivid and real as life. I saw my entire life, from within my mother's womb up to this very point. It all came in quick flashes, with strong emotional feelings. Then it continued, past the present, and I could see us talking on a boat, walking somewhere mysterious, and then standing in a palace 
in front of a beautiful girl I had never seen before. The emotions I felt in this dream were so intense. It was as if everything I had ever felt was crushing down on my soul. I felt love, love like I had never experienced before, for this young woman I didn't know. I saw us kissing. I felt true happiness, happiness I had seen my brothers experience with their wives. Then as quickly as the dream came, it was over. My eyes focused, and I could see my hand still holding the cup by my mouth. I hadn't moved, and I knew with strange certainty that only a second had passed, though it felt like hours. Drew was standing in front of me, with his eyes wide open like he had seen a ghost. Did you see that? I asked. I, I, I saw so much. I, I saw mom and dad. It, it, it was Christmas a few years back, but, but Marin was there, and, and so was Allie and Larry. I, I don't know what I saw, he exclaimed, completely confused. Each of us had seen different things. Most of them didn't seem to make sense to the others. Was it possible to see into both the past and the future with the Aron? I kept the girl in my dream to myself. I knew my brothers would only tease me about it. Plus, I wasn't even sure what I saw and could already feel the memories of her slipping away. We were then led through hallways up towards the top of the castle, passing through a long hall that had rich wood-paneled walls covered with ornate artwork. The great Russo has quite a passion for history and the arts, said Shora. Here you will see a sampling of the history of Arona and its many artifacts. I looked at the carvings in awe and wonder as we passed. There were depictions of beings from hundreds, if not thousands, of worlds coming to Arona and settling on the planet throughout time. There were scenes of great battles, new kingdoms rising and falling, and carvings of beings and creatures beyond my imagination. On the other side of the hallway, displayed in a beautiful long glass casing, were many strange artifacts brought over from these countless worlds. While I didn't recognize most of the items, there were many that I did. I saw an old musket that looked like it was at least 500 years old with Chinese characters engraved on it. I saw what looked like a crusader sword and shield. There was a compass that appeared to be from a medieval ship and several other everyday items from Earth throughout the centuries. We asked Shora about the objects. She explained that most of the items didn't work on Arona that gunpowder or anything like that didn't exist here, and that the compass didn't function. We reached our apartment, and Shora explained that someone would come in the morning with further instructions. Then she left us alone. The rooms were richly decorated, with opulent wood walls and beautiful stone floors. Large paneled windows angled inward, allowing us a view of the sea and the ships below. A large spread of food was waiting for us at a grand table, because we hadn't slept soundly for several nights, we were all exhausted, but the delicious smells were too tempting, so we sat down to satisfy our hunger. Food on Arona just seemed to taste better. Strangely, many of the foods would change flavors the longer I held them in my mouth. For example, one of my favorites was a type of meat that when bit into would taste like a spicy steak, but then after several chews would turn into a more chicken flavor. The drinks of this world were also incredible. Many of them would appear to be several drinks in one. For example, they had a type of fruit drink called panachi that when poured into a glass, I could see several different colored layers. Somehow, these layers wouldn't mix together and always sorted in the same order when poured. 
Each flavor was delicious, and the bottom purple layer was naturally bubbly. After eating, we settled down to sleep, each of us taking different bedrooms. It was pure bliss to sleep in a real bed for the first time. I woke up to the gentle sounds of silverware and plates coming from the main dining room and stumbled out of bed. Troy, you gotta come try these, said Jack. They're like giant kiwi grapes that explode in your mouth. How'd you sleep? Amazing. I had some crazy dreams, really realistic. Yeah, we all did. I guess that Pierrone is still in our system. And look at this! Jack stood up on his left foot, which had still been healing from the Elden attack at camp, and bounced up and down on it. That's amazing! Yeah, check out the gash on your side, see if it looks any better, said Larry. I lifted up my shirt and saw a scar where my festering wound had been the night before. Now I can see why everyone wants this Arone, declared Jack. We should seriously try to take some home with us. I could really market this. I felt physically better than I had in years. Even old injuries seemed to be healed. For instance, Drew said that his bad back felt fine. I felt strong and full of energy, like I could run a hundred miles at full speed and not get tired. Not really knowing what to do next, we sat on the large glass balcony and watched the ships below as we waited for Shora to return. Vessels of every size and type were constantly sailing in and out of the harbor. I saw ships that looked like large Spanish galleons, others that looked like Arab dows, and still others that were totally unknown to me. Cargoes and creatures were cranked up into the city by extensive pulley systems. It was a sight to see. I felt myself getting excited to board one of those ships and go on a voyage. I'd always wanted to sail on a large wooden ship and explore the unknown. Two weeks passed while we waited for the ship to arrive. We were able to spend quite a bit of time with Russo, and the more time I spent with him, the more I liked him. He seemed so sincere and caring. He was quiet and soft-spoken, but charming and charismatic at the same time. Above all else, he seemed wise, with an insatiable thirst for knowledge. I think the main reason he was helping us was because of his curiosity about Earth and the changes that had taken place there. During our stay in Castone, we weren't permitted to leave Russo's extensive apartments, or court for security reasons, but I didn't mind. I spent many hours in Russo's great library with Jack, reading his vast collection of books that detailed the fascinating history of Arona and its many peoples, which provided detail that the carved hallway could not. From morning until night, we were fully entertained and taken care of. Large mills, dancing, and magnificent shows of all kinds were provided by an ongoing stream of exotic performers. We had never experienced such opulence, and most of us were very grateful for it. I'm so sick of this. How long are we going to be kept prisoners here? Why is it taking so long to get the ship, and what is this guy going to want in return for letting us stay here and feeding us? murmured Cubby. We are not prisoners, replied Trendon. We were sent from my king, and therefore honored guest. It is normal custom on Arona. Yeah, Cubby, why don't you just try to enjoy it, Drew said. Cubby was obviously drunk again, from a type of wine as he stumbled over to refill his glass. I don't want to be anyone's guest, snapped back Cubby, quickly drinking his refilled glass. Cubby didn't take to being cooped up too well, and he began to drink flow and wine every morning until he became drunk and out of control. He couldn't handle the waiting, 
and embarrassed us with his multiple outbursts. More than once, he would become so delirious that he would uncharacteristically make passes at strange women or poke fun at unique-looking creatures. Over the last couple weeks, we had to carry him back to our apartments as he would pass out random places. It was sad to watch, but we all knew why. He missed his family more than I could imagine, and I think he was starting to realize that he might never see them again. He used flow to numb the feelings that came with that realization. Russo was a very busy man, always in a meeting of some kind. Delegates and their entourages from a number of different kingdoms visited throughout the weeks. I was surprised to see him meet with, more than once I should add, delegates from the Taronk kingdom. These Taronk delegates wore long flowing white robes and white decorative headdresses. Russo smiled and catered to their every need. As nice and accommodating as he was, I still didn't trust him. Any man who'd sell his soul for money and power couldn't be trusted. Who would deal with such a people as the Taronks? Especially since we had told him about the many attacks on us and the Elden. Late one evening, a knock came at our door. I opened it to find Kuro, who I had seen at Russo's side many times over the last couple of weeks, but I'd never been able to talk to him. I recently read about him in Russo's library with Jack and had many questions. I thought he worked for a ward because that's when we originally met him. It was clear now that he in fact was one of Russo's top men. Fortune smiles on you. The strong southerly winds have brought in one of our ships ahead of schedule. It is being loaded now with its cargo and will be ready at first light to sail to Nudonia. You are welcome to take passage. Thank you, Koro, I said. Yes, we would definitely like to go. But before we leave, do you mind if I ask you some questions about your home first and your journey to Arona? I'm sorry, but I must be going, he said, turning and rushing off. Early the next morning, there was a knock on the door, and we were met by our original guide, Shora, who informed us that our belongings would be transported to the ship for us. We walked outside onto a large platform to be lowered through the rock to our ship. It was windy and the air was cool. We watched as the sun began to rise in the horizon. Russo and several of his delegates, along with Koro, appeared to see us off. I'm sad to see you go, and hope to see you all again, said Russo, bowing slightly. Your world's development is of great interest to me, and I would like to learn more. I hope your stay in my apartments was acceptable? Yes, thank you again for everything, I replied. We had a fantastic time, but we must continue our journey home. I understand. I wonder, could I ask one favor of you? Certainly, what is it? He discreetly pulled a small sealed letter from inside his robe and handed it to me. Please, give this letter directly to King Richard and no one else. Its contents are of grave importance. Tell no one you possess this letter, not even your captain. It is extremely urgent, and you will be the first ship to reach Nudonia. Can I trust you to do this? Yes, of, of course, I said. I will give it to him as soon as we arrive. Thank you. Safe travels, he said to us all, again doing the same gesture with his hands together. He smiled and quickly walked back inside. He had a kind face, and though he could pass as a human, 
he wasn't. Besides his faint glow that surrounded his body, there was something about him that gave him away. I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. I turned around and found Leafen, his eagle, and Trendon standing next to the railing. We hadn't seen them since Koro guided us out of the tavern, and Leafen seemed thrilled to see us again. He mumbled something in Elden, and then hopped on his eagle and dove down below. Where are the others, Trendon? Jack asked. They have all returned home, their mission complete. Leafen insists on continuing. He is food, he said. The wooden platform began descending, carrying us through the rock and down to the docks below. Once at the bottom, we were guided through a maze of docks on stilts over the water until we came to our ship. She was just what I had hoped, massive and magnificent. It looked more like an Arab dhow than a galleon, with tall, triangular white sails. All aboard! yelled out a voice. The last of the cargo swung onto the deck with a thump, and we hurried across the narrow plank that led out to our ship, excited to be one step closer to returning home. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Chapter 13 of Arona. I'm excited to see listeners from over 75 countries now, and many new thousands of downloads. I hope you're all enjoying the story so far. If you are, please take a second and write me a review on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe. A huge thank you to all of you who have written a review so far. If you'd like to send me a question or comment, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at adamjamesbooks at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon out at sea here on Arona.